Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The GDIY Spotlight is a monthly bonus episode highlighting nonprofits whose missions support hunting, dogs, dog training, and or conservation. At the end of the month, we donate 10% of Patreon proceeds to the featured organization. While the financial donation may not be much, it's our way of getting the message out and garnering more support for the causes that are important for all hunters, gun dog owners, and conservationists. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash gundogityourself to help support these great organizations in addition to helping out our podcast. We really appreciate all of our patrons, and as always, gundog it yourself. Hey everybody, welcome back to this edition of the GDIY Spotlight. Uh, March's GDIY Spotlight is with the American Houndsman Federation, and we're joined by Corey Davis and John Jenkins. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. How about y'all? Not too bad. Yeah, doing good. So uh, just go ahead and start off and, and tell us tell us where you guys are from. I'm Corey Davis. I'm from where we're right here from Florida. Um, Palatka, Florida is really our hometown. Yep, my name is John and uh, Jenkins, and yeah, we're here in Northeast Florida, so we we travel a lot, but we're, we're based out of Florida right now. And so, just by the name of your federation, I'm assuming that both of you guys are houndsmen. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, what do you what do both of you run? So, uh, I I deer dog hunt and coon hunt. Uh, grew up coon hunting. That was my thing. I actually. Uh, my family wasn't really big into hound hunting at all. I went with a few buddies when I was younger, and we actually went hog hunting. And when we went hog hunting, I mean, I really loved it, but I knew my mom would kill me if I brought home a bunch of hog dogs. <laughs> so I was getting a coon dog, and um, I think she still wanted to kill me because it was a blue tick, and it barked right at her uh, window, so she yeah. really didn't like that. But um, she put up with it for many years, and... Uh, went on to do do that and then i got into deer dog hunting the past probably four to five years so i really enjoy that too but um i have 10 deer dogs and a couple coon dogs as well Ooh, 
And uh, my, my, Corey's pretty, my story is pretty similar to Corey's. Um, I, I grew up with my grandfather, Bruce, um, who was actually somewhat a part of the organization as well. But I grew up, he, you know, he was a big coon hunter and traveled the country trying to find the best coon dog and hunting and all the competition hunts and whatnot. Um, I never really got too much in the competition hunts, but, you know, I do enjoy going out with him every now and then and um, train some coon. And then you know, every now and then I'll get away and uh, go deer hunt with Corey and run some dogs. I don't, I don't do it as much as Corey does. He's a... Uh, He'll, he'll, he'll be late a lot of times, and I got to come up here and open the store. But um, <laughs> uh, we both, uh, you know, we both try to get out there when we can for sure. So, do you have some dogs, John, or or does Corey have enough to cover both of you guys? I got a couple coon dogs, okay. um, and then I'm generally if I'm deer hunting, I'm with Corey, so I'll let him feed them. Now, do you uh, guys have that. a specific breed that y'all like running, or y'all just kind of have a mixed pack? Um, we have a bunch of Walker dogs, which is actually. I actually uh, bred some Walker um, dogs with uh, Tree and Walkers, and they ended up being a, a red hound, and they're pretty fast. I mean, I, I really like them. They have a lot of nose for deer dogs, too, So, but I do a lot of cast hunting. I don't put on tracks. I just uh, send them in the woods like we do coon dogs, and um, they'll go jump something up pretty quick. So. so tell us about the American Houndsman Federation. That's why we're on the call tonight. Um, tell us what you guys do for, for fellow houndsmen. So, um- we, we saw these other organizations. You know, I'm pretty avid with, you know, just a bunch of organizations here in our local town. And um, I go to the National Wild Turkey Federation, and I actually travel with my dad. And he, he's a big still hunter. But uh, out in Nebraska, I've been to, like, Ducks Unlimited and Mule Deer Foundation, a bunch of different uh, charities and stuff like that that raise money for hunters. And uh, as, as, you know, being a part of the hounds, I've always seen there's really never a good, you know, not, not, a, not good, I guess, but it's never been, a, like, a nation, big nationwide organization. I pulled everybody together like the Turkey Federation did or, or like the Mule Deer Federation or the QDMA. Um, so our goal was just to kind of build a national organization and be able to raise money and, and, and help houndsmen all over, over the country when they need it um, and then also be able to, you know, work with other organizations and uh, help them raise money and, you know, and try and fix their problems. But, you know, we, you know we're smaller now. It's a newer organization, but our, our goal is definitely on a, on a national scale in the, in the future, trying to expand out of Florida um, you know, we've had requests from Colorado and Texas, and, you know, we're planning on putting a lot more chapters together. And, um, you know, we've been doing a banquet for the past two years, and we're actually going to do go to do two or three this year we've got planned. Um, so we've been slowly expanding, and, you know, it's getting a lot of, you know, good attention. Um, that's, you know, that's the main reason. It's just we didn't – we felt there was an open market for, you know, a, a nationwide houndsman organization. Yeah, so – I think one of, the, one of the things we put together really well is, is uh, organization as far as in the – in the chapter and professionalism, um, and I think a lot of that shows when we do our banquets. Um, everybody looks to us and says, "Wow, that was you know very professional." Uh, when they leave there, so that's kind of what we've built it on is, is professionalism. Um, and I think you get a lot more respect at the at the uh, state level and with uh, local agencies as well um, when you come to them proposing anything to do with hound hunting. Yeah, so so caveat on that. I know John just mentioned that your guys' mission is to help other houndsmen and and other chapters throughout the country. But what are you guys really helping them with? Um, you know, as far as, as there's legislative issues, um, legal issues, um, you know, trying to, you know trying to have a positive out, outlook for houndsmen, and you know, and you know, because I, I mean, you know, I feel like there's always been, you know. The, I guess you could say the black sheep of the hunter or something like that, just trying to, you know, show that, you know, we're, we're you know, they're really good people and, you know, we're, 
you know, and we want to work with all hunters, you know, and try and, you know, to keep, you know, all hunting alive, but, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're houndsmen at heart. So that's, you know, that's where, that's where our main focus is. Yeah. It seems like, uh, there's a lot, a big push for anti hunters are kind of targeting houndsmen and, and especially like lion hunters and bear hunters, uh, more specifically, and and a lot of other hunters, like you said, it's the houndsmen are kind of the the black sheep of the family, and they, they kind of say, "Well, I'm not a houndsman, so why do I care?" But it it all rolls downhill. So we thought that this was a pretty important message for you guys to come on and and speak to to us about. For sure, yeah. Like you said, uh, a lot of bird dog hunters. I mean, that they don't really get. I feel like they don't get picked on as much as the houndsmen. Um, not yet, and the houndsmen do take the the heat a lot of times uh, i don't know if that's because uh, they're they're wider ranging dogs and you do have maybe a few issues every now and then um or if it's just the bigger game that we chase is is more loved by uh animal rights activists i'm not sure that's kind of what i was going to suggest is it's kind of easy pickings because it's uh i think uh Renella puts it as uh, he describes them as charismatic megafauna you know the bears and the lions and and all these disney shows they reflect these these animals in in a in a big light for kids and so it's as people hear oh you're running a, a you know a cat or a teddy bear with with hounds and so they kind of get a bad rap with uh with those that type of hunting for sure yeah and there's they look good on uh pictures and videos but yeah, when it's standing right there next to you, and it, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. story. Yep. Well, what I've noticed is a lot of houndsmen, uh, if they're treeing a cat or a bear, whatever their quarry is, they don't even, even with coon hunters, a lot of times you're not even shooting the animal out. It it really comes down to the dog work, and the same thing we talk about all the time. We just want to watch the dog works, and we do want to put game in the bag sometimes, but uh, it's not about shooting the animal all the time. Exactly. 100%. Like coon hunting. I mean, we we barely ever kill a coon. Uh, we tree them and walk them and recut them. And I mean, deer hunting, we killed probably around ten bucks this year between our whole crew. Uh, that's like nothing. Right. <laughs> that's that. a and that's a large crew, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you're talking ten to fifteen trucks at a time. So I mean, that's less than one deer per truck. Um, I mean, it's it's just about being out there, and we're out there every weekend too. So from daylight to dark and uh, if, if it was about the deer, we definitely wouldn't be you know, out there that much if it was about actually killing them. For sure. So give us a specific example of what you guys have helped out with, maybe a specific regulation in one of the states or something that that uh, will kind of bring it full circle for somebody that's just listening to this and they're not really familiar with the hounds world and, and some of the challenges that houndsmen are facing nowadays. For sure. So, I mean, you know, uh, you know, some of our mission is not only to, you know, preserve hound hunting, but also to, to keep it alive by getting youth involved. Um, we have a bunch of ways that we try and do that. But well, one exact thing you know, recently is with the FWC, the Florida Wildlife Commission is our local, um, you know, I guess local you know, resource gov- you know, agency here in the state of Florida. Um, we got a, a law passed last year where um, youth hunters during the last week of muzzleloading season before general gun starts, and general gun is the start of dog season in Florida, um, youth can actually run dogs and kill a deer in front of dogs. So we got, you know, the first week, um, the last week of muzzleloading and the week before um, general gun, right, I'm sorry, it's weekend, weekend, weekend. Um, 
you know, they, they're actually, a youth can go out there and uh, kill a deer in front of dogs um, before anybody else can. So that kind of gives them, you know, it's, it's you know, the first of the season is always the best hunting, really. So that kind of gives them a really a jump start and, you know, gets kids, you know, we had, a, I mean, there was a bunch of kids out there this year in our local hunting club. Um, and it was, you know, a tremendous turnout, you know, and, and they had a blast. So, I mean, it was, it was great to see all the kids out there running deer. Yeah, it gives the kids a fair shake um before the adults get out there and have at it and it uh kind of plants a seed with the youth those kids are probably having more fun out there that weekend doing that than than anything else they want to do sometimes i have to drag my son out and and my daughter too once we're out there though they have a good time but when they're on the couch they're like nah i want to stay here and watch tv or whatever once you get them out there they have a good time so i think it's important to involve kids what else have you guys been working on yeah, other other uh, issue we're working on actually right now. It'll be voted on next uh, meeting, nineteenth uh, and twentieth of this month, um, with the Florida Wildlife Commission. Is uh, they're actually passing a law where um, in a couple years you have to have track only, or well, by next year you have to have a track tracking device on your dog, and then by the following year you have to have a tracking and some sort of uh, behavior. Um, correction collar on your dog as well and uh when they come to the come to us with this we kind of threw out there you know we would really like some some kind of protection for our hounds and um they actually uh, ended up putting that in there with it so we knew they were going to pass this issue but we wanted to get something um that you know we felt would protect our hounds at the same time and that's going to be they they put it in the law that uh, if somebody takes a collar off of your dog, either a name tag collar um, or a tracking or training collar off of your dog, it'll actually be legal now. Um, and then if they take a tracking and training collar off and it's over $300, then uh, that's actually a felony. So we felt like that really protects our hounds a little bit more. Um, down here, we have a lot of state land and dogs. Sometimes people you know, will see a dog and they'll run up to it, grab it, take collars off. And, and just let it back go, or they'll even take it to their local shelter, and that dog ends up, you know, in New York City somewhere, uh, and it's just it's not right at all. So we feel like this will save our hounds in the long run. Yeah, I'm not sure why anyone would want to remove the collar from a dog. I guess they think they're helping that animal out. And we were talking a few minutes ago about hounds been getting a bad rap. I think part of that is the range of the dog. The dog doesn't work close to you like a bird dog does or like a bird dog should. Um, and a lab sits next to you in a duck blind. A hound has to get out away from you to do their job. So when, when people see a dog, if they're driving down a dirt road and, and see a dog, they think that the dog's been abandoned. But that's not always the case. I mean, those dogs know they're either doing their job or, or their job's done and they know that they're going to get picked up on a dirt road. The dogs are that smart. So... The collar law you guys have uh, worked there, and and the the law against removing the collar that's really going to help out a lot of houndsmen. Do you think anyone's going to have any pushback about that law? No, I mean there's a lot of people already with uh, tracking and training devices, and that's why we felt like at this time the FWC was proposing this rule. There was no need in fighting it, uh, but instead of fighting it, kind of put something in there that we would like to have at the same time yeah um, that that makes sense so i'm assuming 
there's really no the average person isn't going to distinguish between a hounds or a hound and a bird dog. So is this going to apply to bird dogs and all dog hunting in general, or just houndsmen down in Florida? Um, in the state of Florida, it's just only, it's only applying to deer dogs, uh, hog dogs, fox, and coyote dogs. Okay. So, so technically, you know, waterfowl and and uh, uh, you know pointers stuff like that are exempt. Um, and another thing too on the law is you know there was some people that were you know. Because when they when they hear tra- it has to have a tracking and training collar, a lot of people think of the Garmin, you know, the Alpha system, or you know, in like bird hunter case, the Pro 550, a track and train all in one. But yeah. you know, you, you, technically in the law, telemetry, two collars or you know, two separate collars are legal. So telemetry and you know a behavior collar, and the behavior collar only has to have tone or stimulation or vibrate or you know, there's there's a couple like the Citronella collar or something like that. Um, but you know, so it's not, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very open law. So, it's, you know, you, you know, a beep beep system and an old Tritronics handheld are still, they're still legal. Um, so that's one thing, you know, we wanted to, to get around to people is you don't necessarily have to go out and buy the brand new system. The majority of houndsmen already have the equipment that, that makes their dog, you know, makes them legal. Okay. One of the older systems. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really informative. And you said, when does that law take place next year? Um, 2021 is the tracking um, requirement, and then 2022 is a tracking and uh, correction requirement. That's nice that it gives people time to to get their stuff in order, and also uh, somebody that's been run, running telemetry stuff for a long time. They don't have to go out and buy the new system, so that's good. Yeah, give them some time too to be able to train their dogs in the off season, uh, because you don't want to just put a correction collar on them and, and go to work. I mean, they really need some time to train them too. So. We, we got that in there in the works as well, so then they could put it off a little bit longer, but um, we felt like it was the right thing to do. And also, I mean, just another side benefit to this, requiring all houndsmen to have tracking collars. You know, we, we did an episode a little while back with uh, Lonnie Miller talking about deer dogs, and it seems like we, we alluded to earlier, the houndsmen are kind of the black sheep of the family, but requiring houndsmen to have a tracking system on their dogs and maybe a little bit more training to where they can make sure their dogs don't cross over property lines will go a long way in helping the image of the houndsmen overall here in a few years too because we know that they kind of get a bad rap from from a number of communities as as well as just deer hunters they they kind of cry foul a lot when they cross property lines but this would probably help in the long run with that as well yeah, that was one thing we really think will be a benefit in the future is it should open up a lot of this public land in Florida. Um, there's a few million acres of public land in Florida, and a lot of it is not hound hunting friendly. I mean, the bigger tracks are, but we feel like there's a lot of smaller tracks that this law will actually open up more hound hunting uh, for us. So. Because we're, we're able to come to the table and say, look, I mean, you know, this 4,000 acres, we can keep our dogs on it now. Um, and these people that maybe were an issue before will not be an issue. So I think it'll really help us, and it'll it'll keep hound hunting alive in the future longer. That's great that you guys are doing that for fellow houndsmen. Uh, tell everyone how people can donate to the American Houndsman Federation or maybe become a member or something like that. Um, you can go to our website and become a member. It's uh, www.americanhoundsmanfederation.org. Um, I think membership is $25. Um, you have the option to get a hat or uh, hat or a shirt, um, and then we have those available, and you get a sticker package with it. Um, and then we're also doing another thing called the uh, pack leader drawing, 
and that's um, a, what we do is you set up a $5 reoccurring monthly donation, um, either on our Facebook page or PayPal, and uh, we have a sponsor that's actually giving us an item every month to give away um, hound-related, generally tracking, training, or, or hunting gear or something like that, and we, we give that away every month. Um, we're actually going to be doing a uh, Garmin Alpha once we hit 200, um, and, uh, 200 uh, donations a month. Well, I think we're around uh, 60 or 70 right now. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So before we wrap this up, is there anything on the horizon or anything that's currently going on at, across the country for houndsmen that people really need to be kind of aware of and maybe on the lookout for? Um, there's, there's a lot going on in Virginia, um, you know, just with the gun laws, and there's some other, like, tethering laws and stuff like that um, that, are, that, are, that are going on. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's something we're trying to watch closely. I mean, it is hard. Um, you know, we've had some people ask us what we're doing there. It's hard for the resource, you know, the resource we have right now to be able to go up there. But, you know, we're doing what we can from right here in our office and trying to uh, get a hold of their local legislators and stuff like that and let them know that uh, we, we're not, we don't approve a lot of stuff that's going on currently. So but, uh, that's, that's stuff that's, you know, breaking here. I think i got a couple of emails to read right now, stuff going on. But uh, that's, that's currently going on now. One of the biggest things we're going to have to probably fight in the future is, uh, in other countries, they are banning uh, shocking collars, and I think that's that's something that could be detrimental to us. Uh, especially, we're using these collars to keep our hounds safe, um, but they're kind of twisting it and saying that you know we're hurting our dogs with it, and uh, that is one of the big things that is in Hawaii recently. They were trying to do that. Um, I think they did they did cut that, so I don't think we have to worry about it there. But uh, that's getting closer to home. So we can't, you know, we use these, these are tools uh, that we use and it keeps our dogs safe and we definitely cannot uh, do the job without them. In Hawaii, they were trying to outlaw, you know, the sale and the, and the possession and the use and everything. I mean, they were, they were, they were going hard in Hawaii on them. So they were, they wanted, you know, no matter, you know, whether house dog or hound, hound or anything like that, they, they, they wanted them gone. Um, but that, that seems to have failed. Yeah. And like Corey said, there are a number of countries that have already banned e-collars and and it's always done under the uh the shade of the umbrella trying to pretend like it's what's best for the dog and and it's you know their heart's in the right place sometimes but they, they don't know all the facts but that's why it's more important than ever to have uh groups and conservationists such as yourselves that are pushing and making people aware of these issues coming down the pipe there's a lot of ignorance out there, I think, towards it, and that's what we're trying to do with outreach is trying to get some more outreach and uh, more information out there to, to show people, just like you said with uh, Lonnie, that y'all, when y'all did the podcast the other day, I mean, getting that information out there showing that we are using these collars to protect our dogs, I mean, that's that's the best thing we can do. Yeah, and ignorance is not a not a bad word. I mean, it, people are not informed for you know, a shock collar, the level of shock that we use on our dogs is very low. It's not hurting the dog. It's just annoying the dog. I, I actually t- put my fingers on the collar and, and feel the, the different levels, and I won't shock my dog any level that I haven't shocked myself. So that's a good way to kind of keep yourself in check. But it is for the benefit of the dog. And, and people that aren't involved in what we're doing with dogs don't understand that. They think that it's it's hurting the dog and punishing the dog. And that's, that's far from it. So we're glad that you guys are 
are uh, taking the charge on informing people and and fighting for houndsmen and really for all for all dog hunters. Yeah, I mean that's you know, that's our main focus. Any, anybody that uses a dog, either you know a working dog or a hunting dog, you know we're we want to be there to be able to protect them and you know and keep what they're doing you know for generations to come. We were pretty devastated about the the greyhound uh, vote that passed down here. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that, but no, we're not. Um, they got rid of, uh, or they're getting rid of, at the end of this year, um, all greyhound racing tracks in Florida. Uh, that was that was pretty bad, especially uh, to the to the working dog community. What did and, they uh, try they to hand- claim the reason was for that? That the greyhounds didn't like to run anymore. Yeah, there was a lot of actually Humane Society of the United States. Um, they go put figure. a lot of money in, and yeah, go figure. They they put a lot of uh, commercials out. Um, they actually paint the trail on Facebook. You can look him up. He was actually really good on trying to keep the greyhounds running. Um, he does a lot of videos. He was really trying to keep them going. They took and stole his videos of, like, some of the dogs in the cage, you know, dimmed the lights, uh, made it real sad looking, and uh, put them on air. And uh, when it, when it uh, come to a vote last year, um, it passed. So it's actually uh, getting rid of it completely at the end of this year. That's the perfect example of just, again, somebody saying they're, they're wrong flat out. You know, it's perverted reasoning, but just saying, oh, th- th- we're forcing these greyhounds to run like that. And then it just gets blown out of proportion. And then next thing you know, something like the greyhounds doing their job gets taken out and you're no longer allowed to do it. And so that's, that's what we're kind of in danger of now. I mean, you mentioned Hawaii. California's already banned hound hunting for mountain lions and everything and deer. And I mean, there's very few states that allow deer dogs anymore. And so it's very important for people to get involved and at least be aware of the issues coming down because it flows downhill just because you're a bird dog guy. Once they start outlawing some hound laws, they're going to move right onto the bird dogs next and then squirrel dogs and then rabbit dogs. And it's just, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, they don't plan on stopping, that's for sure. And just for a little bit of scale, I mean, the Humane Society of the United States brings in $160 million a year. $160 million a year. And, you know, we and we take in a couple thousand. Me and Corey try to do the best and pinch every penny we can. Um, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's I mean it's incredible that the resources they have and, and, and that, that they can get them. I mean, it's, you know, PETA's, you know, $50 million a year and stuff like that. It's, it's absolutely insane, and they plan on spending every dollar every single dollar to to prevent what we're doing yeah so really for the listeners if you want to help out dogs uh go donate to the american houndsman federation or donate to our uh patreon and, and we're going to donate 10 percent of that to the to the american houndsman federation at the end of the month um we i think we have a maybe a better idea or represent really dog hunters and dog lovers better because when you get rid of dog racing you don't get rid of greyhounds so now you end up with greyhounds that are stuck in a house and are not able to get out and run as much as they need to and and the same can be said for for any other breed of dog um they need an outlet they need something to do so thanks again guys for uh, coming on and we're looking forward to spreading the word about american houndsman federation we really appreciate the opportunity to get our message out there and, and talk to everybody and uh, we really appreciate y'all having us on and uh, we love your podcast and uh, we want you to keep it going for sure it's very interesting yeah thanks guys y'all have a good night appreciate it y'all too thanks for listening to this month's GDIY Spotlight 
If you would like to see more on this month's featured organization, please check out our Facebook and Instagram at Gundog It Yourself. You can also find the organization's link through our website at gundogityourself.com. If you have a suggestion for a nonprofit that could be a good fit for future episodes, please send an email to us at gundogityourself at gmail.com. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.